last time on Lawful Stupid. We ended. We said our goodbyes. We said our goodbyes. All the boys went separate directions. And that's. That was the easy ending to season one of Awful Stupid. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that we were doing seasons at first. Neither did the rest of the boys. <laughs> we kind of just made it up on the fly. And it. Um. It just fits. It fits really good with what we're doing. Yeah. And so, because we think the way we're going to be doing the next story bit, we're going to tell some stories about what happens now and what happens between season one and season two. So, this is going to be the first of three, or uh, first of four, actually, first of four this time. Um, where we'll have the boys, and then we'll have uh, an episode, uh, literally just me monologuing and talking about the story, talking about the world, uh, just to give you guys some background. So, yeah, and you're not gonna let us listen to it beforehand. Yeah, that's a, that's that's gonna be a new thing. Yeah, that's the other thing we're doing to the boys. Um, they don't get to hear the episodes until they release as well. Um, so they will be in the dark for each other's. They, they kind of know concepts, uh, but they won't actually know what it sounds like or the details. So, yeah, like we brainstormed a little bit together, but as far as like finite details and like actual indecisions, no clue. Yeah, it's going to be really good. But uh, are you are you ready to see what happens to Rowan? Yes, I'm very ready. So it's been six moons since Rowan has said goodbye to Atlas and his dear friend Kristoff and he's traveled from town to town and he's been collecting stories he has been providing gold and bread and shelter in exchange for people's stories and why don't you kind of give Rowan's uh, thought process and ethos behind his new endeavor to collect stories. Oh, well, I mean, with Wynn and collecting all the stories, it just kind of makes sense for him to be like, alright, I'm doing these things, it doesn't feel like quite enough. And there's just a lot to do, and then also, like, Rowan's always felt like he had a story to tell, even if he didn't. And there's probably other people that would have the same feeling, but he could kind of validate that and just really let everyone know, like, your story's important to at least me, if nothing else. And then he can repackage that and retell it for money. And so Rowan's been doing that for six moons. And, a, and he's mostly stayed in Orenthal this whole time, hitting some of these smaller towns. But... Tonight was different. Tonight he found himself at the entrance of Riverside. And whether he knew he was headed that direction or whether that was just the next town that the road took him on, he found himself in Riverside. And I think he goes from building to building and shop to shop. And the town is almost deserted, it feels like. To be in the middle of uh, 
not in the middle of the night, but it's to be afternoon, to be dinner time, essentially. Um, you don't really find anyone until you meet or until you walk into the sheriff's hall, essentially. And when you walk into the sheriff's hall, because it's the only building with lights on, um, when you go through that first door, you're greeted with swords, shields, spears, and it's essentially the whole town held up, and in the middle of it, you see uh, very few children, but the rest of the town gathered in one building to guard them. Oh, um... Hey, everybody. And... What's, uh, what's going on? And these faces of fear and anger, they roll back. Almost a, a, a sigh of relief falls across them, and Henry steps forward and he says, Rowan, is that you? Henry, yes! Ah, my boy. What, what are you doing here? Just passing through? And I remembered you guys were here, so I thought I would check in. Uh, uh, that's awfully kind of you, but it's late. You should come in. It's not safe out the outside. Not at night. What happens at night? Uh, you don't... Uh, the word hasn't spread of the vampires? There's vampires. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, almost seven months ago, children, they went missing, and... Seven months ago, children, they went missing, and, well, shortly after that, people started dying. We started finding people uh, bloodless, and it didn't take long for us to find all of the vampires. Well, I find that they were here, anyway. It's safe to say this is the first time I've ever heard about missing children. Uh, it's a, okay. It's safe to say this is the first time. And uh, H Henry kind of looks confused at that. You, you seem pretty insistent on that, but okay. Facts are facts, but you found the vampire? Like, you know where they are? Uh, yeah, we know exactly where they are. Do you remember Senna Firestone? Yeah. She's their vampire. She's their... Maybe queen? But that's not the right word, surely. A uh, hive mistress? I'm not good with these words. Uh, the... the main... The one that you gotta kill to get the other ones to not be a vampire anymore. Yes, uh, that's what we believe. They're all mm. around her home. And that's where they sleep. We went... we went during the day... Uh, a couple months ago to... try and... kill her and... We lost several people. Hmm. Was, well, why don't we just... You know what? I'll, I'm a friend. We talked with her before. It'll be fine. I'll just go see what's up with that, right? Uh, I, I don't... Uh, that seems really dangerous, Rowan. They are not friendly to the living. But do you have silver I can borrow for, like, a day? And... A night? And, uh, Henry, uh, says, I might have something, something perfect for you back at my shop. Let's go! And, uh, Henry says, uh, go 
through. But we must be quick. It's it's really not safe. And he departs from you, and you see him like hug uh, Teresa, and both of them could not be more worried about him making this trip with you. And but you know he he gives her love and bids her farewell and comes back to you and says we must be quick. Well then let's get going. Hi Atlas's mom. And she gives you a, a concerned wave. And uh, the two of you depart. And you both sprint um, because Henry sets the pace and he full on sprints to his shop. And and this half restaurant, half blacksmith shop, you bolt through the doors and he, as you guys get through, he shuts the door and locks it and says, it's here somewhere. And um, he begins rooting around his shop for whatever he's looking for. Uh, I'm watching the door windows? Oh yeah, two windows by the door, yeah, for sure. What What are you looking for, Henry? And he says, uh, it's, it's, was ceremonial mainly, but I have a silver weapon here somewhere. Hold on. And, uh, he, he begins rooting through and he comes back to you and he, he's got like this, almost a set of daggers. They're like, uh, they look more like, um, not shurikens, uh, it's not stilettos. What is that? What are those throwing knives? That, that ninjas use. I can't remember the. It's, but it's literally a small hilt, and then it's like they're almost arrows. They're almost arrowhead type knives. And you thinking like the Naruto kunai? Yeah, yeah, exactly like that, right? And uh, I mean, he hands you four of these like silver knives, and he says, "I made these for a noble, but as, as the town's been, I haven't had a chance to leave. I haven't felt safe enough to leave to deliver." Then I'll make sure that I bring them back in more or less the same condition. I'll run with you back to there, and then I'll head to Simla's, and it'll everything will be fine by the morning. I guarantee, probably, I don't guarantee it, but hopefully. And um, Henry like uh, claps you on the shoulder, and you kind of stumble a little bit because he's a big brawny man, and he uh, says, "I can see why Atlas found you to be a friend. Have you seen my boy?" I have a lot. Oh, how is I, he? Not, um, he's good. He doesn't feel any, any reassured by that. Um, but he doesn't call you out on anything either. He says physically, he's good. He's got some some heart troubles with the ladies going on. Uh, I knew he would be a heartbreaker. And uh, I think the two of you bolts back to um, the the sheriff's hall. And so he steps in and uh, you depart from him. And one of the things you notice about these uh, these kunai is um, like you're, you're kind of sizing them up. You notice that they'll fit in your barrel just perfectly. Mm. And so you head out of town because if you remember correctly, um, Senla's house is outside of town so there's a little bit of a walk and uh do me a favor and just go ahead and roll a uh d20 with a um wisdom modifier because this is gonna be like a survival check well it's a nat 20 okay this is this is gonna be narratively perfect so 
as you exit the town, it's almost like it's a no no holds bar bar barred. Right. No holds barred. There you go. Well, that's what we're gonna say. It's a no holds barred, um, because you're quickly approached by three children vampires, and um, they're headed to attack you. What what would you like to do? Um. But they're not mindless monsters, right? I can, I could be like, hail vampirelings. Um, you can tell that these three are a little erratic, almost like they haven't eaten in a while. But like, mm. you're right, they they're not mindless monsters, but they're definitely hungry. Hmm. And they're like kind of growling as they approach you, and one of them says, "Sir, just a small bite." The small bites are all I need. Well, I know you're too young to understand this, but if you fucking bite me, I'm going to have to kill you. And when you say that, it's, it, it just provokes him and he, he leaps at you. <sighs> I'm going to take a pot shot with the, with the gun then. Um, okay, yeah, so you, you fire off this blast and it strikes this vampire, this child vampire, down. And the other two, in turn, leap at you. And I think you instinctively just move from one target to the next. And boom again, and boom again. And the three drop. And as, as you're walking and getting closer, you're getting more of these erratic children vampires. And you have to keep putting more of them down. And it's not until you get closer to the cabin that you encounter two um, more vampires older in their teenage years. And you can tell they're not nearly as hungry, right? Like, mm. And uh, as you get closer, they both say, um, or one of them says, What are you doing here? So close to our home? I've come to talk with Sinla. And who are you? A dashing gentleman in a large red hat. Hmm. You look tasty, that's for sure. Well, that's very true, and oddly not the first time I've heard it today. And you see her kind of lick her lips, and more importantly, her fangs. And she looks at the, the boy next to her and says, Brother, give mother the news. That there's a delicious-looking elf in a hat here to see him. And uh, the brother kind of looks annoyed, almost like... Uh, he gives his face like, if you eat him without me, we're going to have a problem. And um, so he goes in and kind of delivers the news. And the boy and Sinla step out from the door. And Sinla recognizes you kind of and she says why do you look familiar because i was just here weeks ago no i promise you weren't what there was there a, i was here once time has passed since and you gave me and a tiefling and a giant white orc a gem or uh, something Yes, now I remember. Sponge pets, is that right? Yes, except for the pets part. Well, Kristoff is kind of 
in love with Spawn or something. I don't know. It's a weird relationship, but yes. So what brings you back here? I haven't heard from Spawn in many moons. Oh, there was a, just a town of demons. It was really annoying. That sounds terrible, but why have you returned to Riverside? Well, I was just saying hi to Atlas's parents while he's doing God knows what. I know they worry. And then I find them all holed up and all the kids are gone. And then they say that you had something to do with it. Oh, those are my children now. But they were someone else's children before. Finders keepers. Then if that's the case, then I have refound them and they are now mine. Hmm, I'm sorry, you can't have my children, no matter how delicious you look. Hmm. Would you be willing to make a wager? And what possibly do you have that I could want? I have, right here in this hand, your life. I will give this to you for those children. And uh, all three of them, like, snicker as you say that. You must be lost, little elf, because we do not fear you. Oh, it's, it's really sad when you're too dumb to know. And I'll just start pulling out some kunais. And all three of them hiss as they see the silver, like, dance in the light of the moon. Um, in the light of Maliv, uh, for those of you who know that that's the name of the moon. Um, and she says, You came here to kill us! Came here to make you an offer, which you just refuse, as I'm loading one of the daggers into the gun. <laughs> and um, she hisses and says, Kill him! And the other two uh, rush, rush at you. Shoot the dagger at one of them with hopes. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll a dexterity um, range attack, rather. Not dexterity, but a range attack. Okay. That is like a 15. Alright. So, uh, the boy runs up to you, and he's like the first to get there with the girl back to his right, and you fire off that first shot, like an Eldritch Blast, with the kunai shoved in the front of it. And it's propelled by your blast, and the first one just shoots right through his chest, and you watch as he, like, explodes into ashes. And the girl, like, leaps forward and just, like, pounces on top of you. Uh, do me a favor and do a strength saving throw. Not a good Seventeen with... Yeah, that's good. So, she, like, chomps at you, and you, like, put the kunai at her teeth, like, because you're just, like, panic and put the silver in front of you, and as she bites, she hisses, um, and when she bounces backwards, you just, I think you just shove that kunai into her chest, mm-hmm. and it explodes, and, um, ash and dust falls all over you, and as you're, like, getting back to your feet, uh, Sinla's rushing forward. Oh, I try to shove the one in my hand in the gun again and like deep breath, steady aim. Do me a favor and do a range attack, please. Much better. Uh, 17. Yeah, so uh, she runs up on you and you bring up your gun again and 
fire and it hits and it goes through her and she doesn't quite explode but you start to see her peeling away like you didn't get a direct hit and so then she's like stumbling at you trying to stay on her feet like still like clawing both hands coming up and then swiping down like as she's getting closer and closer she's just trying to get her hands on you as you can see like parts of her shoulder and her her ribs there's like burning away as that poison or that silver eats again eats at her ah Sinla, you had your chance i thought we were friends a nice chat the time that we had you're pay for this and she like almost like falls to her knees right as she's like right in front of you and she like reaches up with both of her claws to grab you just take one step back and she like stumbles forward and she she's on her hands and her knees and um she you just kind of watch as the silver eats away at her slowly uh i think a leg disappears first and then she's like trying to crawl and trying to get up and trying to get to you and you just watch as the the poison of the silver just eats away at her and she dissipates into a pile of that Uh, can I check on... Oh, shit. He blew up. The girl also blew up. Are there any kids in my wake laying there? So we're going to smash cut to the next event, and I'll kind of walk you out of this one. So you you make your trip back to the hall, and you notice that there's kids around. Like, when you traveled here, not all of the vampires were brave enough to attack you, especially when seeing other... Um, children get dispatched by you and so as you're walking back you're seeing these like homely looking kids and they're normal and they approach you shyly especially considering they just saw you kill other vampires and they're not vampires anymore and I think you like kind of bring them into your fold as you march them back to the sheriff's hall and the people of Riverside are ever 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 grateful that you dispatched Senla and and cleared the town of the vampires and and from from that day since they um the town of Riverside made that day a holiday for you awesome do they make a statue they don't they don't but every 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 year that that holiday comes to comes to pass every every day they do a almost a small festival where essentially they go to every house and put like lights like not lights but um, like candles and lanterns and so for the night that you save them they always burn through the night so there's just no darkness in town oh, that's the best holiday this is great yep. good good things happen yep and so more time passes as Rowan adventures and I think sometimes he strays out of the lines of Orenthal, but I think most most of his adventures um, stay within Orenthal. Um, it's it's a relatively normal piece of the land, and through this these times through his adventures, uh, he's he's consistently had this caravan that he's built, where he's told stories and people have come and he's built his reputation for having stories and always being welcoming and he always tells people 
If, ever, if you're ever in need, if you have a story to tell, look for the purple fire. And on this particular night, the, the wagons are circled and the purple fire is roaring. And you, you've already done a night's worth of stories and, and everyone who has uh, chosen to be in your caravan has already gone to sleep. And you hear the familiar, like, whistling that you've heard many nights before. And um, it's all—it's al almost as if you can predict what's going to happen because it's happened before. <laughs> it, you hear her say, Rowan, it's good to see you again. Cecilia, what do I owe the pleasure? And uh, Cecilia does like she's done uh, the several visits before that you guys have had. She sits across the fire from you on one of the many seats and she picks up uh, somebody else's drink. Um, and, and over these visits, you guys have been more friendly and she almost, she like takes down the bottom part of her armor and so you can kind of see, or her, um, her mask, her helmet, so she can drink and she drinks from the, this, uh, this cup. And you, you just see this like beautifully young girl under the mask, right? Like, cause you can see her lips and her cheekbones and the upper part of her neck, which prior to these last few visits and, and, and you've never really seen anything under her armor other than the fact that she had like long hair, right? Like that was the only thing that really gave you indication that she was a woman. Yeah. Um, and she says, well, like every other visit, Rowan, where is my artifact? I don't know where your artifact is. I know where mine is and where it stays. I... Rowan, don't make me take that loot from you. It's always down to business, isn't it? <laughs> you can't just come and be like, hey, how was your day? And then I would tell you about how great my day was. And then you could come and tell me about how great your time has been killing people for their artifacts. And uh, she sighs and says, you're right. How was your day, Rowan? It was great. I told so many stories. And if I hear one more story about somebody going fishing and finding a fucking fish that's their spirit every single time, I'm going to put my hands in this flame. I'm just going to be done with it. But other than that, just great. How was your day? And she kind of laughs. And you've heard her laugh a few times, but a handful of times. And she says, Not, not great and not terrible either. But all the same, we should get down to those brass tacks. If you, if you must put your hands in the fire, go right ahead, because then that loot would be mine. You would have no need for it if you can't play. Oh, you can still play a loot without a hand. Uh, Even two. Uh, ha oh. uh, okay, I have nothing for that. I don't. How on earth would you play without hands? A girl's got to have her secrets. Uh, no, I, she kind of, like, you kind of see her, like, look back and forth, almost of trying to, like, do some, like, complex math in her head. And, um, she says, um, uh, mm, okay, listen. I, I mage hand, pluck a couple strings while, like, biting my finger and looking. 
and as she watches that, she kind of like the light bulb pops, and she goes, "Oh, but how would you cast that without hands?" There's tons of ways to cast things. Magic's magic. Yeah, I think that's what got us all into this more than anything else. And um, she says, uh, "Have you heard of a dwarf named Axel?" I have. I, I go up and I go get a pitcher and like refill the cup for him, put like a plate of snacks on it. Like I have, I do, I remember. And um, he's an he's a big old idiot. She says, "Not anymore. He's not. He's not an idiot." Well, I don't know. Can you be an idiot when you're dead? Yes. Um, if he died doing something dumb, he's an idiot. Well, he crossed me, so he's still an idiot. Oh, good. So you've got the hammer then? Uh, no, the hammer's destroyed. Well, it's gone. Whatever. Yes. You got it though. Yes, that's what we do. We destroy them, Rowan. As you should. They're too dangerous to be around. And she like looks at your loot when you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too dangerous. So anytime. Anytime you want to get rid of that loot. Oh, not right now. <sighs> Look at all the good things I'm doing. The food you're eating. Everything you're drinking. All these stories. The goodness. Look at the good it's doing. It's not hurting anyone. It's, it's hurting everyone. Well. Where are your friends? Well, Kristoff is probably at school, and Alice is definitely probably made up with his ghost girlfriend now. Like, they're probably great. And where did that loot leave Oxbane? Um, saved from demons. Would they have ever come in the first place had you not brought that loot to it? I mean, who's to really say, considering that the door was opened by a key from someone who was already in Oxbane. You think those things happen without some type of magnetism? Those loots, those artifacts, they bring nothing but trouble, I promise you. They were created for war, and that's just what they'll bring. Hmm. could say that. Can instruments of war be used for better things? Are we just going to throw soldiers away when they're done with their war? And she says, No, I suppose not. But we both know that soldiers have gone stir-crazy and caused quite the problem when there's no wars to be fought. It's true. And, um... For the first time that you guys have been sitting together, she seemed uh, almost soft towards you. Um, every other time has, has been business as usual, and she's never really engaged um, in you. You've, you've typically been to been able to kind of like laugh her out of there and get her to lose focus. And um, she sits down next to you, like she stands up, walks around the fire, and she sits down next to you, and she says. There's something I must warn you about. There's something you need to know, Rowan. If you're not going to give up that artifact, I 
I have to warn you. Please. There are others that bear artifacts, and they they pay a cost. They pay a cost unlike unlike one that I can describe. And I don't want that for you. I do wish you would give me that loot. CCC, as much as I wish I could. For right now? Look at all these sleeping faces. Look at the peace. How many of them might not have even had a good night's sleep had I not been here? For now, their peace of mind is worth whatever price I pay. That's on me. That's what it is to be a real hero. And, um... She kind of sighs, and you can see on her mouth that like it's like that is just stressing her out. And she says, "Okay, I don't. This may be our last encounter, Rowan, because I'm not sure that the reclaimers will allow me to keep tabs on you without." And then she kind of like looks away without taking the loot from you. And I imagine you're not going to give that up without a fight. And I can't, and I don't know why, but I can't bear to take you. Hmm. What if I take the strings off of it and you say that you destroyed it and you brought the strings as proof? And she laughs and she says, if only it were that easy. When artifacts are destroyed, they're... They leave, they leave behind something. They leave behind this essence. And it's, if, if you know what the torrent looks like, if you've ever seen it before, it's like that. But it's corrupt, it's twisted. It's, they say these are toys of gods, but the gods have made them their toys. They're not their makers, despite what they would have you believe. And uh, she, like, for the first time, takes off her, like, she, like, she snaps her helmet apart and, like, takes it off. And um, to Rowan's surprise, um, it's uh, Rosaline? Uh-oh. Is that how you pronounce her name? Rosalind. Rosalind. It's Rosalind. <laughs> and she looks back at you, and you... Remember Rosalind from your past, and you remember the way she always looked at you, and it's not like that. Mm. Her eyes, like, just look over someone that she doesn't want to kill, and she says, I'm not, I'm not supposed to show you my face, but I, I wanted to tell you bye, because... There will be somebody to take my place because we can't let this artifact go unchecked, but I'm biased and I can't do my job. It's a lot to unpack. How'd you become a fucking reclaimer? I've always been a reclaimer. What? Is that where you went? Is that... What do you mean? Where did I go? Then you went off with your dad to, like, learn about fungus people or something. Rowan, I don't know what you're talking about. What? Your name's Rosalind. Not Cecilia, you know this, right? 
My name is Cecilia Rowan. No, get out! Uh, out of where? We're, we're sitting in outside, Rowan. No, uh. So, okay, you've always been a reclaimer. Mm hmm. Where'd you come from? What do you mean? I, I was born in the reclaimer's hall. I was well, born there that? and it was. Uh, nice try, Rowan. Nah. Do, did you ever uh, spend a part of your youth in, in some islands? Maybe Falinus? No, never. I, I trained to be a reclaimer all my life. Hmm. And you remember all of it. Vividly. <laughs> I don't remember everything, but who remembers every memory? But yes, I remember my childhood and growing up in, with the reclaimers. And, and training for... Why do you have all these questions, Rowan? Did you go crazy when I broke your heart? Uh, and she kind of like blushes when you say that, and she says, You didn't break my heart. Well, that's good. I was worried about that a little bit. We've never... Oh, and we did. She gets like super flustered, and she says, And this is why I can't do my job. I shouldn't... Mm. <laughs> And she, like, stands up and, like, marches to the other side of the fire to, like, put distance. You're not supposed to have feelings for your targets. Are you saying? I'm not saying anything, Rowan. Oh, your eyes already said them. You don't even have to put words to it, I know. And you can, like, she's, like, putting uh, her fists at her side. She's, like, clenching them. She's like, this isn't funny. I came to warn you. The next reclaimer, they're going to, they're going to take the loot. They're going to try to take the loot. Well, I hope they're not successful. It's meet these these meetings with you. They've, I've really enjoyed them. Me too, except for the you know the one time that you knocked us out. Well, you, you all deserved it, and I, I should have killed you. I yeah. should have taken the loot then. Probably should have, yeah. And she kind of chuckles, and she says, This is goodbye, Rowan. Oh, there's no such thing as goodbyes. I'm really bad at them. Please don't. And uh, she, like, puts the helmet back on and snaps into place and then and puts the, uh, the lower faceplate piece back on, covering herself entirely. And says, then we won't say goodbye. And I hope you give that loot over to the next reclaimer. And I, I hope you don't waste your life. No, I'd never waste my life. And I can tell you right now that the only thing I'm giving that other reclaimer is a fucking unmarked grave when he tries to lay a hand on my fucking loot. Well, I hope... I hope it's not as bad as I think it will be. Rowan, be careful. Oh, you know I won't be careful. Then... I wish you the best of luck. It's okay, Cecilia. We'll still see each other soon. You just wait. And, uh, she departs from the, the caravan. And the view shifts. We find ourselves in a great hall with gears, sprogs, and other mechanical contraptions that our boys in the world 
has never really experienced. And we see Cecilia in her reclaimer garb, and she's standing in front of another reclaimer who's in very similar armor, but that reclaimer's armor is ornate. It has seen battle, and that reclaimer stands at least a foot taller than our Cecilia. And they exchange heated words. Words we can't hear, muffled words. And the other reclaimer strikes Cecilia. She goes down to a knee. We see her look up, more mumbled words. He strikes her again. And again, she mumbles. And again, he strikes her. And again, she rebukes. And he strikes her again. And this time she falls to the ground completely. And as she lay on her face, we hear mumbled words. And this other form kicks Cecilia while on the ground. And just as our view fades, we hear the words. If you're going to get him, then I'll get him a notch loot. That'll be mine. And I'll leave nothing left of that silly elf. No matter how you feel, Cecilia. And your story doesn't end there. More time has passed and more months and, and the name of Rowan Legato is spreading. And every town, it's almost like they wait for you to come through and tell your stories and tell your tales. And I think I think at some point you've started putting on plays with your caravans and, and you just have this way of like entrancing everyone with your magic and your stories and, and people have come to join and it's almost like you're presenting this theater every time you go into town and towns just like beg for you to be a part of it and that leads up to your next event where you are called and summoned to a noble's home in Yuri and uh, or the, on the edges of Yuri and this home it has big walls and guards and whoever it is is just making lots of money and, and you don't know who it is you just know that the job pays well and it can literally afford another year of expenses without you ever having to take a job and that was enticing enough for you to at least meet with the person and your caravan parks inside of this this giant castle almost and you're escorted through these beautiful marble walls and these ruby templates of of like gold and emeralds and diamonds and like pictures are made of gems right and you come to this throne room and a hundred feet from the doors that you enter this long red carpet and these marble floors and these expensive like lanterns and um like tabards are like all over the walls and a hundred feet away you see this ornate throne and as you get closer you recognize Ekenbar to be sitting on a throne. 
Ekinbar? And as you like shout that, uh, Ekinbar sitting with like this like, like crown on his head, but it's like a, it's definitely more like an accessory than it is a crown because while he's royalty, he's not pushing too many boundaries and it's like sideways. And mm-hmm. he says, that's Count Ekinbar, Rowan. Well, and I give him a little tip of the hand. I didn't know you were a count. Well, not everyone's name can travel quite as far as yours, Mr. Lagato. Fortunately, that is true. I have heard of you, though. All good things, I hope. Yes, all good things. You're just as charming as before. I'm sure you got my letter well. I did. Excellent. How could I not at least come and say hi to an old friend? Yes, well, it's quite it's quite a business opportunity. I want to pay you a king's ransom, or a count's ransom in this, in this regard. I want your show to play at my gala tomorrow night. I don't see why not. Definitely sounds a... Uh something we could do excellent it will be very important that in this gala it will be my coming to royalty it will you will tell the story of count akinbar and how he comes from the muck of the the valleys and the alleys of the city and, and the crime that i was forced to do and you will tell my story and how i became the count and how I will soon be much, much more. And of course, I, I will act in this, this play, of course, because no one can play me but me, but it will be wonderful. The Gallo, they will love it. Yeah, if that's what you want. Usually, most uh, nobility like to glaze over their shadowy past. Oh no, no, I will act it out on stage with you. We will tell this story together. Alright, that's interesting enough. Usually I'm a solo act and I like disguise self as Ekinbar. And he kind of smiles and he says, ah, no need for, for such small tricks. I really just need the name Rowan attached to this. Because your stories, they, they travel far and wide and people accept them as facts. And I'm going to pay you so much gold to just do as I say. See when you when you phrase it like that, it doesn't sound like a good story. Oh no, it's going to be the best story. It's for it will be my story, and you you will have the honor and the privilege of telling it. I think you have this the wrong way. My name spreads far and wide. You have the privilege of me playing at your party. And he kind of like snickers and he says, oh, you must have been with these, and he looks around and there's like servants everywhere, these peasants, much too often. Listen, I pay you the gold, you do as I say. No, I don't think you understand. I'm not for sale. I will do a business exchange where I, you know, give you a service and then you give me money for it. But 
this isn't where you own me. And he stands up and he says, everyone has a price and I'm sure yours can be bought as easily, Rowan. It's cute for playing this game, but I'm sure by the end of the day, you'll bow to me. Bow to you? I don't know if you know this, but I don't bow for anyone. And he kind of like walks down the steps and you see these like two guards kind of walking with him and he says, oh, you'll bow all right. Is that what you think? Oh, that's what I know, Rowan. You have not changed that much. You will bow like they all do. Hmm. That's really cute. That you think me, I, Rowan Legato, bow to anyone, let alone you, a fucking slumlord that calls himself Count? Me, who's freed villages, provides for the poor. I don't even fucking bow to win. We're partners in this. And I talk to him on the regular. And if you think you're even close to on par with him, to whom I still don't bow, you're fucking insane. And as you say this, like the guards next to him kind of like look shocked. And you can see out of the peripheral of your vision that like the servants are like either staring agape or looking away and doing whatever their task is supposed to be doing. And Ekimbar says, he gets real close, he's like within four or five feet of you and says, I suggest you bow, Rowan. I fought through a city of demons to close a door. You think I won't kill two guards to pull out your tongue? And he says, that's something I'd like to see you try. <laughs> and I take off my coat and I put it on my unseen servant. And give it the old like. <clears throat> All right. Guess I'm killing a cow and it'll be a good fucking story. I pull out my gun. Do me a favor and roll a. Go ahead and roll a dexterity range attack. That is like a 27. All right, perfect. Um, so I think I think you don't uh, straight up murder these three. I think um, it's like this uh, flash of flash of attacks, right? Like I think you attack the first guard on the left and with your uh, pistol in the second attack as well using the uh, El Eldritch Blast, right? And they go flying backwards. Like, they're, they're not dead, but, like, they're also not meant to fight somebody of your caliber, right? Like, there's just a distinct power level between you. And so when you, you blast them backwards, I think you, like, step forward and just kick the knee of Ekinbar, and, like, you just hear it snap. And he gets put on his knees in front of you. And you hear me, and he's at his knees in front of you. This is what your hubris did. Now you had to bow before me. And now you have to deal with the fact that me and my troop are leaving. Your party will suck. And I think as like you're leaving, he's shouting at you and he's just saying like, come back here. No one walks away from Ekinba. Just give him like the wave of the hand, like brushing him off. And uh, you hear like the muttering and like the soft laughter of like servants as you like as you exit the castle. And your story 
spreads. Like a story you, you have never told, right? Like that's a story that you have humbly kept to yourself, but the servants and the guards, they give you the name, the unbowed. And everyone tells that story. And I think, I think um, much, much later, um, you're, you're sitting around this caravan and uh, somebody comes to you the story with the unbowed, right? And they, and as they're telling you this story, like you still graciously pay for, pay them gold for this story, despite it being your story. Um, and, and we move from this event. And I also imagine like the number of guards ends up going up every time it gets retold. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. The, the number of guards goes up. Um, I think the level of applause gets bigger. Um, the event itself gets bigger. It becomes like Eckenbar's coronation and how it's super important to his realm. And it's, it gets like hugely out of, out of space for what it actually was. And that like Eckenbar himself was going to like force you to, you know, disband your caravan and you just weren't having that. It, it becomes this elaborate tale. Yes. And we see wagons and we see these tarped covered wooden wagons almost almost a a caravan of sorts and we we see the familiar loot in the hands of our most beautiful boy and he's playing a song and you can see around around the caravan these 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 wagons are kind of encircled and you see them you see them playing music and songs and Rowan <laughs> Rowan's telling a story to these like small children and uh, I think it goes a little something like It's your turn or I edit it out. Okay, you're frozen on my screen too, so no! I can't <laughs> And that's when I said, get out of my room, to which he replied, get out of my mouth! <laughs> And uh, the three kids kind of look concerned, and you see like this elder, uh, elderly lady go. Oh, I think that's enough. Time, time to go to bed, and uh, rushes them off. Um, and I think you tell more stories to the adults left of the fire, yep. and there's stories that entrance people. Uh, there's stories that makes people cry, and. Um, as you're as you're talking and telling this story, uh, you almost hear like this uh, rustling in the woods. And something to note, and something that is always um, different about this caravan, is your your bonfires are always purple. They are purple in color and they always spark and they're always, it's almost like when you tell a story, they tell a story 
and someone you've never seen um, sits down next to you as you're telling the story and he's a man with a short red beard and he's got long red hair pulled back into a ponytail and he's wearing a traveler's cloak that is like this brown and it's nice and it's you can tell it's thick like it is not meant for decoration it's it's meant for more and like with two c's thick and he he sits down uh next to you and says you (laughs) you must be that You must be he who never kneels, and he who never bows. That that would be me. And who are you? (laughs) I'm a simple storyteller, a simple traveler. But I've heard your stories. Have I heard your stories? I am so excited to meet you. Excited to meet you? Everyone's got stories. That's that's the point of this. Everyone's story gets told. That's that's what they say about you. Is it true? Is it true that you that you met when? Met meet with? It's not just best tense. We're we're on a first name basis. <laughs> you know the towns I've I've passed through they say nothing but wonderful things about Rowan the Bard the man of stories the bearer of purple flames I I'm honestly just thrilled that I have come across your camp well, I'm, I'm more thrilled than any of I'm always welcoming a story do you, do you have one? And he looks at you and says, "Uh, I'm sure my stories are not as interesting as yours, friend. And all of these people, they're not gathered for mine. That's the thing. Gathered for yours. We're gathered for all stories, big and small. So if you've got a story, I've got money, I've got food. Whatever you need, it's yours. So uh, he turns and he says, "Have you ever heard the one about Ashenwing, the Fable Maker?" Can't say that I have. And he kind of looks towards everybody and uh, says. <laughs> And I have just the story for you. And the night goes on and he tells his story and he... It's a story like one you've never heard because most of the stories that you're brought are family stories or stories of folk and legend and nothing ever sounds as real and as strange and as intimate as his does. And I think at the end of the night... You two are, are just just chatting, and uh, you part ways, and your normal uh, 
the normal thing is to like pay gold or food and he's just taking neither and I think at the end you insist right like you insist that he takes yeah, some gold sure. and uh, begrudgingly he does and you'll, you'll later find the next day that he leaves it on uh, one of the caravans and you're telling yourself the same story you tell yourself each night over the purple flame but the words are lost in the wind and you hear the lute strum and so when the lute plays it shows you something different something different than it ever has before the world around you the caravans the fire this newcomer they all vanish and you find yourself standing in the center of a palace in the center of this royal throne room and you've never in your life seen anything like this the culture on the walls looks different the the style of art the the clothes they wear it, you've never in your life seen anything like this it doesn't remind you of, of home um, it doesn't remind you of Orenthal and some of the other continents you've been on in your life and, and no matter your travels on the ship and with the pirates you've never seen this level of luxury and this style of culture but you recognize the tiefling on the throne and you can hear conversations and as you're walking closer you realize that you didn't actually recognize him you thought it was Kristoff but you've never seen this tiefling before but he wears this this simple crown of ivory as he sits on this throne and you're hearing muffled conversations and behind you you hear the familiar voice of Wynne and he says I appreciate everything you've done for me Rowan I'd say with you we're partners and he kind of chuckles and um, you know his wings shake and you can hear the, the rustling of, of like woods and leaves and he says um <laughs> so stubborn so insistent on that I love this game we play as do I and you kind of hear the tension in his voice and he says the time has come Rowan it's time you pay up that favor I need in exchange for everything I have bestowed upon you it's time to collect and he motions and he's like standing behind you right and, and to your right and so you kind of see his arm his wooden foliage based arm kind of reach out and point to the, the the tiefling on the throne and he says I'm going to need you to kill him I'm going to need you to dispatch of palace Shindo Interesting. I do have... N normally, I would argue this. This is interesting, though. 
because I happen to be good friends with his brother. And he kind of chuckles to himself and says, <laughs> Of course, of course. These are things I know, Rowan. And while Kristoff hates Palace, do you think he will really be okay with you murdering his family? Yeah, probably. Then what I ask of you should be easy. You should be able to accomplish it with little effort. Uh, you say this. No, I would... I would almost argue that we never agreed to me doing anything past making a great story. And he... You can hear the groan, like, vibrate around you. And you've never, ever experienced any anger or tension or hatred when in Wind's realm or in any of his visions, really. And he says, I no simple wench, barmaid, guard, shopkeep, or king, Rowan. Your fancy words and your verbal jujitsu means nothing to me. We had a deal. I saved you. I grant you my gifts. And when I come calling, you answer. If you choose to play games with me, games that I don't enjoy, and like you can feel like this pressure, and you, it, like, it's almost like gravity went up a notch, and it's harder to stand, and you can kind of feel your muscles pushing in. I will revoke our deal. And I will be done with you. I will take your life as quickly as I saved it. Because not all stories should be happy endings. But no one. And like as you try to interrupt him, he gets even angrier. No one will deny when his deal. I agree on certain points. I would just like to sweeten the pot a little. And as you kind of like say that, this the, the, the pressure, the weight, the world, it dissipates. And when says, Excellent. What did you have in mind? Well, seeing as how by my understandings, you have legends. I do. As a, as a being. I grant legends powers, gifts, as long as they, much like yourself almost. <laughs> but I wouldn't call you a legend quite yet, Rowan. Though you may call yourself that. And the stories of you may be grand. But yes, I have avatars of myself, legends in your world. What's of them? Well, the way I see it is I can do this and be the pauper that killed the prince. That sounds pretty legendary to me. And he smiles and he says, what is it that you want? 
Rowan. Be clear. Well, as I said before, I I want to be a lich. I want the immortality that comes with it. Oh. I, I want to live long enough to see everything else perish. But know that I made it better for being here. And you can feel when smile. You don't see it because of his simple mask, but you can feel him smile. And he says, Is it immortality you seek then, boy? Well, I think I was pretty clear. I want... I want to almost be the untouchable, bro. And he laughs and he says, Do you want immortality through legend or life? Hmm. Why not both? You're not giving me enough for both, dear boy. In fact, you're simply holding up your end, but I do love a good story. So if it's immortality on this Goron, if you want to be a legend like others, I can make that happen. I would be so interested to see where your story goes. Wouldn't it be interesting if I was the legend of all legends? Above all legends? And he kind of leans down and he says, You know, I don't think the others would like that very much. But the drama of the story and he brings up this like a uh, wooden hand and with leaves and vines and like a couple flower petals and he puts it to the chin of his mask and says i love everything about this rowan but what is it you're going to do for me in exchange for i i have an idea mm-hmm. There's a wolf running around. His name is Zetus. Just a wolf? Oh, yes. I'm sure you'll hear of Zetus in the coming months. But I need you to... I need you to kill him, Rowan. Oh, easy peasy. So... If you... Kill Palace. I will grant you additional gifts. I will grant you the immortality you seek. But you must destroy Etus. And I, the quest I put you on, it is not a soft one. Because you see, it's not so simple to kill divinities. He said he's a wolf. He didn't say he's a divinity. Yeah. Etis takes form of a wolf, but he is an entity, or a divinity, much like mm. some of my children. So I guess freezing razor blades and blood, letting like his tongue off is gonna work. Maybe not, but I would enjoy watching that. Me too. Maybe that'll be plan A. Then we have a deal. Yeah, I'd say we've got a deal. And uh, he puts out his, like, wooden hand for you to shake it. Oh, super shake it. 
And when you shake bravado, when you shake that, the world kind of disappears, and the image of palace falls away. And when and you're at this um, this fire again, and Brim, who was there telling you stories, is now gone, and everyone else is asleep, and the fire is still burning low. And when you kind of like look up, the world looks a little different. Just you can just feel it. It just feels different. And as you're kind of like pulling your hands up to, I think like just kind of wipe your hands free of things. Um, you notice on the 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 bail the bed of your nails, right? There's these little like gentle vines and like flowers, kind of like poking forth from your skin on your left hand. And as you like scratch at them, they just fall away. But they. Um, that definitely is different for you. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So I've gotten myself over my head. It's time to call the boys. And as you're sitting there, you... You have this feeling that... The first thing you need to do is to travel to Whisperwool, where the land of silence resides. Guess, uh... To appoint someone in charge of the caravan while I'm gone. And then take the caravan to the nearest dock. Get the merchants. <sighs> And uh, as you as you're like mulling over that, I think you're like muttering other things that you need to check off your list and things you need to do before traveling to Whisperwool. And uh, the camera like fades away and backwards into the sky, just showing this caravan and Rowan and this purple flame as he plots his next story. And that's where we're gonna end for episode one of not episode one, but mid-season break, season break of. Season break episode one. Yeah, there you go. Interlude. Oh, the interlude. interlude. Yeah, see, there we go. Interlude episode one. Uh, so yeah, man, that was good. I was more than a little excited that you bargained for more from when. Oh yeah, I have you not. I mean, if you're already in that deep, just fucking. Yes, I will take another credit card, please. <laughs> what is my limit? There isn't one. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm super excited. Uh. I'm super excited for the boys to hear it and all our oh. listeners, so it'll be super good. Um, but unless you have anything you want to shout out to them, we're just going to wrap it up. It'll be quick and easy. Uh, you know what? I think quick and easy. It's not usually what we do, but I think this time will be it's good. It's not. So let's play them out in normal fashion. <gasps> Bye! Bye! Bye.